Jerome has spoken. Does it matter? Ah, Jerome's going to learn who's in charge. The major U.S. indices took a hit this week. Gold can't hold that $1,800 level. Closed at $1,799. Cryptos, they seem like they're not on stable footing. We're going to talk Powell. We're going to talk the Fed meeting. We're going to talk the hypocrisy, as we always do, of politicians on both sides. We're going to talk about JP Morgan and WhatsApp. We're going to talk about the dollar flirting with the 97 level. A lot to get to. I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. And this is episode 148 of Bizarro World. Nick, I always say there's a lot to get to because there's always a lot to get to. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm recovered from the COVID. Still don't know if it was the Omicron, but would I bet that it was. Seems to be uh, sweeping the the world and, and certainly the uh, nation. I'm feeling good. Um, yeah, busy week in the markets. Busy close to the uh, end of the year. Uh, a lot to talk about. How are you doing? I am well. Thank you for asking. I am happy that you are well. That you are recovered. How is your family? They're all doing uh, good. They're uh, still in the in the in the house. They weren't able to go to school this week. The kids and so they've been um, raising hell <laughs> with the mom there at home. But uh, they're good. Excellent, excellent. Let's get right into it. Um, tough week for the major U.S. indices. Tough week for the TSX venture. Um, tough week for all but a few select names. What stood out to you? Um, this week, Nick, obviously, you know, the, the tax loss selling season, uh, coupled with what, and then we'll talk Powell in a second, what people are trying to interpret as hawkish Powell, which I thought was hilarious. Um, but, but the combination of, 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 of those things has led to a dollar that's perked up pretty well here, flirting with the 97 level. Um, what stood out to you, Nick? What stood out to me is a very broad question. Um, and I guess I would have to just think about what I was uh, buying and selling. So um, I think you're still uh, very much in uh, tax law season. I know there was a, a Fed meeting and that's probably a bigger theme in the in the macro sense. But, um, you know, it's tax loss on the NYSE and, and NASDAQ as well. And if you remember, um, there were some high flying names. Meme stocks is how we. Uh, started the year. So um, there's been some, I guess, let's call it volatility uh, selling pressure that uh, is, uh, call it a sidecar to the um, Fed meeting that we had this week, which we'll get to. So um, what was I buying? I was buying cannabis stocks. Um, Mm. And I told you that's how we ended the um, podcast last week. You asked me what I was looking forward to that um, I was going to watch cannabis stocks and I was, and they're getting absolutely decimated. So, um, you know, some of the largest multi-state operators in the U.S., even canopy growth is down at uh, 52 week lows. Like uh, as we speak, put in, um, you know, this second, third week of December here. So that was in the, the market buying the cannabis stocks. I, I don't think you're getting a clear, real clear picture of, of the entire a market right now, given that um, it was Fed week, given that I don't think the market believes what um, <laughs> J- Jerome was saying, and given that there's, you know, the world's about to shut down for uh, two weeks. And so I don't want to base a lot of, you know, 
longer term or even you know medium term comments on the action of this week. I think that um, you should be doing typical year end stuff, right? Getting your portfolio ready for a new year in in as much as um, buying and selling uh, tax loss positions, cannabis on the buy side, and then uh, on the tax law side, uh, mining names uh, for me that didn't uh, quite do as well. What stood out to you? Uh, again, uh, wrote a big check, you know, relative to, to, to my weighting already in, in my portfolio for uh, Patriot Battery Metals. You know, it now looks like the labs are a bit delayed and we're going to get results here the first week of January on, you know, three additional holes. I, I continue to insist that um, that company's on to what I believe will end up being a pretty significant lithium discovery at a time where we absolutely need, um, and the market is rewarding, uh, significant lithium discoveries. It's, it's, it's funny. I had a conversation with a gentleman from, well, I, I'll, I'll say one of the bigger institutions, very well known in the resource space. Right. And I, I, I mentioned Patriot, I mentioned the news release and, you know, the, the, the institution said, well, if, 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 if that's accurate, if what's in that news release is accurate, um, then they're on to something significant, but we want to see cross sections, right? And so I immediately reached out to the company and 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 then the company was very receptive and said, yes, you know, we 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 rushed the news out. We didn't get the cross section out because of how how meaningful we thought that first hole was. But the next release, you can definitely expect those. The comment that was made to me by this institution was if they step out. Um, as, as they apparently did in hole one, which was a 30 meter step out. But if they step out from that 500 meters and they hit and it's similar grade and it's similar widths, um, he said, given where the market cap is, that thing's going to run. So not a coincidence that a, a, a big group came in offering flow through financing at, I believe it was 61 cents with a 75 cent warrant um, to the tune of $11 million. It initially wasn't going to be 11 million. It was going to be a little bit less. Um, and and even, even, even with the upsized financing, um, a lot of people were left out. You know, when they announced the financing that morning, I joked on Twitter um, that people are going to start figuring out really soon that they're not going to be able to participate. That's exactly what happened. The stock sold down, you know, to, to, to 33, 34 cents, right where the, the, the financing was on the, the, the hard money, right? The, the, the non-flow through, which was a small percentage of it. But immediately they went in and they bought it back up and it closed today here at the 46 cent level. And look, $11 million of flow through tells me one thing. It tells me the company is dead serious about drilling this lithium discovery out and don't discount the potential for a gold and or copper discovery, um, which is actually where the bulk of the 14 holes went. 10 holes went towards the gold and the copper, though the geology there is less understood than on the lithium side of it. But right now, rightfully so, the lithium is getting the bulk of the attention and uh, looking forward to that. So bought some in the market wrote a hefty check um, in the financing, uh, voluntary 12-month lockup. You know, this isn't um, something that we're going to four-month in a day. The big group that wrote the $11 million check, also voluntary 12-month lockup. That tells me they're serious about financing and helping move this project forward. And I am uh, pretty convinced that this group is going to get the word out once we get the next set of results. So long-winded way of saying, buy. I bought more Patriot battery metals. That's what I was doing this week. It's almost like they're um, long-term bullish on commodities, Gerardo. 
Imagine that. And speaking of long-term bullish on commodities, you know, leading edge materials has been a frustrating holding for me because it's, it's one, so undervalued, but it's been so undervalued for a long time, right? So it was nice to see that stock up some 13, 14% here at the close during tax loss selling season. That touched the 52-week high. Very few stocks are doing that. And it did so on the back of an announcement by Northvolt um, that it'll be building Europe's biggest lithium plant. Um, so Portuguese oil and gas company called Galp is joining forces with Northvolt to develop the largest lithium processing plant. Now, it's a 50-50 joint venture. They're targeting annual production of 35,000 tons of battery-grade lithium hydroxide, which is enough for 50 gigawatts of battery capacity uh, that could power roughly 700,000 electric vehicles, according to the Financial Times. So that project bodes well um, for Leading Edge because they not only have a world-class rare earth asset, which you need in order to make these electric vehicles, but they also have a world-class graphite asset and a production facility that's fully permitted that's just waiting to be turned back on and that is is now joint ventured with a group that's doing due diligence to potentially bring battery-grade graphite to market. So I suspect that the market finally is starting to connect the dots with leading-edge materials. It would not surprise me to see that stock run much higher from current levels. And again, this is something when the stock was 13 cents, I was telling people, this is the way it's going to go. It didn't matter back then because you couldn't convince anybody to buy it at 13 cents. Everybody loves it at 45, 46, though. Odd how that works, huh? Well, that's how these stocks go higher in uh, bullish commodity environments, right? When uh, the herd comes running and, and uh, piling in, whether it's uh, for a new discovery or for a, a catalyst, like you just mentioned, with the construction of a new uh, battery plant. So... Um, yeah, touched on multiple commodities there and, and multiple large institutions that are uh, comfortable writing checks because uh, I think they see the, like I say, the bullish environment for commodities in the cycle we're in. Well, and, and look, this is this is what 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 I enjoy the most, right? I enjoy having a a a macro setup that is favorable, right? That provides tailwinds um, because when you couple that with a network that you and I are fortunate to benefit from that allows us, you know, to pick up a telephone, call a CEO, call a geologist, call a Patriot Battery Metals and figure out exactly what the business plan is before writing a check. Having that type of network with the kind of macro backdrop that we have now, um, coupled with tax loss selling season, I am absolutely giddy and excited for the commodity super cycle that uh, summit that we're we're going to be doing here on Wednesday, December the twenty second, we'll make sure to put a link up. But trading around these events um, is, is 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 what I absolutely wake up in the morning for. Um, I wake up in the middle of the night. I check my phone. I look to see what's happening overseas. Um, can't wait to get up and get at it. And I think twenty twenty two is going to be absolutely spectacular and profitable. And I hope uh, anybody that's interested in trading or speculating in these commodity mining stocks, specifically the smaller ones, right? Um, I hope you join us on December the 22nd because I think it's gonna be fun. You mentioned the macro and that's uh, one part of the strategy that we will go over in 
that summit or, or that event that, as you mentioned, is uh, on December 22nd. And then there's uh, two other parts, obviously, of a, a three-part strategy. There's uh, what we're calling the micro, um, and you described some of it there, the, the network, some of the company-specific stuff. And then uh, there's the trigger, which you look for, like you said, trading around uh, some of these uh, catalysts that are ongoing, whether it's drilling, whether it's uh, economic assessments, whether it's um, you know partnering with a, a battery maker or um, a larger company to help uh, process whatever you're working on. And so um, I guess that's one thing. And then the other thing is that it's um, ongoing, like um, in two in two uh, ways. Um, uh, one, the super cycle uh, itself. Um, lasts for for years, um, typically you know ten to fifteen years on the on the upswing before uh, selling off. But then, um, with individual companies, there's often uh, multiple opportunities, right? Because um, it takes a long time to uh, bring a mine online. Certainly, um, from a, a greenfield's discovery, there's a whole. Um, oftentimes 10-year checklist of things that you have to do from, you know, drilling and proving it up to uh, working with local communities to gain uh, approval to getting financing, uh, etc. And so um, those are the catalysts that we uh, look for when trading around these positions. And those will be uh, what we're highlighting and what we're, what we're revealing in the uh, Super Cycle Summit. And then uh, you're going to go over uh, a couple of the, the names that you like here uh, in in late 2021 and headed into uh, 2022, and so um, we'll be sending it out to to everyone on the on the 22nd. So they should make a note to uh, keep an eye for their inbox. It'll be in the morning, 11 a.m. Eastern time, and uh, we look forward, obviously, to having as large of an audience as possible. Absolutely excited for that. Um, again, I think the timing is absolutely perfect. Um, you know, there's a gold stock in there that's trading near 52-week lows. That's going to have a very busy 2022. There's a copper gold stock that has four, five, six rigs turning in 2022. I think it's on to to to, to being taken out here in the next, you know, 12 to 24 months. We're going to make money on that before then. Um, I could go on. You know, there's there's commodity exposure ranging from gold to silver to lithium to copper. Um, a lot to like, excited for 2022. I almost don't want to go away for the break, although I'll enjoy the family and friends time, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a long week with the markets being quiet and the lack of news flow. Obviously, it'll allow us to get a lot done as we tidy up, uh, you know, loose ends here for 2021. But yeah, 2022, I think is going to be phenomenal. I'm with you. I mean, I got a lot of food to cook on uh, Christmas Eve, but uh, certainly going to be uh, working next week and, and chopping at the bit the, the week after that to uh, kick off 2022 and um, get tax loss behind us and um, get back to doing what we do. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Um, gold, gold, you know, it, 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 it held in there despite a rising dollar, right? It, it, it bounced back to that. I and mean, we said this last week, it seems like 1800 is kind of like the magnet, right? If it goes too far one way, it pulls back. If it goes too far the other way, it pops right back up. Sure enough, it closed at 1799. 
Copper had a nice little resurgence back to 431 after touching lows of, I believe it hit as low as 422, 423 earlier in the week. The dollar, again, I, as I mentioned, flirting with that 97 level, 96.66 is where it closed today. Are you, <laughs> I know we're bored with the gold price, but are you impressed with the resilience given the dollar strength that we've seen? Yes, and I think you saw uh, strength this week. You know, if it's been trading in a range, it went to the top end of its range uh, this week, back up uh, closer to 1800, uh, like you say. And so um, it's down 8% for the year, I think, right around there, um, give or take a percent on, on today's action. But you've got to remember, and we've said this a lot, that it's historically high, right? You're still seeing. Uh, M&A in the space, you're still seeing uh, good earnings from the uh, gold mining companies, but um, nonetheless, you know, relative to uh, other sectors, uh, crypto, tech, uh, energy, uh, you know, gold has just been uh, left out this year. And so in that respect, um, a lot of names have been left out that have uh, quality results, right? So, um, and it's still not breaking out, right? Like you mentioned, it gets right to the top of that range, but um, fails to break out above it. And so that's obviously what, what needs to happen for uh, gold to get some attention. And it's not happening yet. But to, to answer your question, um, it hasn't broken down in the face of uh, uh, a, a dollar that's uh, strengthened and, and rates that are uh, still going sideways, if not well, weakening as well. No, look, and, and and again, take advantage of these rates. You know, I not only refinanced one place here recently and, and, and you know, immediately put it into the market because that's what I do. I'm doing it on my second place. I mean, with, with property values being what they are, if you're fortunate enough to have, you know, some 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 decent equity um, and, and your rate's a little higher because maybe you took on a mortgage, you know, years ago when rates were higher, rates are falling. Um, and again, given the macro setup that we have now, it's, 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 you know, not extremely difficult to do well for yourself um, speculating in the commodity space and or other sectors like you do, Mr. Hodge. Or, you know, the other thing that you can do is you could just be like Nancy Pelosi, right? Where you just get to be a member of Congress and you get to directly influence law and legislation that affects companies um, that your husband... Not her, of course, right? That your husband owns, which it's absolutely nuts to me that this is still legal. I applaud AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, earlier this week. Um, she broke ranks with the party and, you know, criticized Pelosi um, for, for you know, not reporting um, insider transactions. You know, there's 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 information out there that, her husband, you know, is making millions of dollars exercising options in tech companies that she regulates. And so, you know, it's, 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 I applaud AOC for breaking rank, as I mentioned. She said the access and the influence we have should be exercised for the public interest, not our profit. It shouldn't be legal for us to trade individual stock with the info that we have. Um, it, I, I mean, this is as, 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 you know, a fuck you to the American people 
as 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 it gets out there, short of not funding veterans or not funding firefighters, or you know, we'll get to we'll get to this Oklahoma bill on the way slavery is taught, where they're threatening to cancel funding from schools. Um, but but you know, close to those things, this is this is just a slap in the face to me as an American citizen, as a taxpayer. Um, I don't want my elected officials trading or their spouses trading on stocks that they are affecting legislation on. It seems so out of tune and it just shows you that neither party really cares. Nobody really cares, right? There's the occasional, you know, AOC that'll call out the hypocrisy hypocrisy, and a couple of others that, that, that I actually have some respect for. But uh, Speaker Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi, let that sink in. Um, for her to respond that it's a free market and that she should be able to do this, come on, do better, do better. Thoughts on that, Nick? Uh, it's more of the same, but it's it's worth touching on for a second, just um, for principle's sake. It's right up there with term limits, right? Something mm. that uh, everybody wants and agrees on, but uh, none of your quote-unquote uh, leaders or governors uh, want for themselves on either side because that would limit the amount of time they get to spend enriching themselves in uh, the Senate or the House of Representatives. And so uh, this is one of those things uh, everyone knows and, and comes up from uh, time to time and is back in the news this week. I think uh, you mentioned AOC, but she was probably reading some of these articles that Business Insider was putting out over mm-hmm. the past uh, week of which they did uh, two dozen. And so I'm just going to read some of the bullet points. <laughs> um, four, 49 members of Congress and 182 senior level congressional staffers who violated uh, federal conflicts of interest law. Um, lawmakers and top congressional staffers face minimal and inconsistently applied penalties for violating the Stock Act. And it's nearly impossible to comprehensively obtain public records uh, about their personal finances. 75 federal lawmakers who held stocks in COVID-19 vaccine makers, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, or Pfizer in 2020, with many of them buying or selling these stocks in the early weeks of the pandemic. Uh, Remember, that was before they were telling us that there was a pandemic. We covered that on the podcast uh, a while ago because... well, it's been a while since COVID. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at this point. Fucking Twilight um, Zone. <laughs> and then, of course, um, dozens and dozens of lawmakers that own stocks that either are in industries that they regulate, like you say, uh, defense, or um, that own stocks in things that they publicly opposed, like um, members owning tobacco stocks who've publicly you know, opposed smoking and bills and things like that. So uh, just ripe with hypocrisy, ripe with uh, lack of oversight and yeah, like you say, a slap in the face because uh, everyone knows and uh, no one does anything about it. And even the speaker just told you that uh, shut the fuck up. I'm trading my stocks. Exactly what she did. Um, I'll get to Oklahoma and Kentucky in a little bit and the hypocrisy there. I want to pivot back um, to Jerome, right? Uh, we had a, 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 a Fed meeting and decision, um, which some people... Apparently took as hawkish, Nick. Um, I mean, <laughs> we're we're serious about fighting inflation, so we're going to signal that we're going to keep real rates negative for another couple of years at the very least. 
Does that sound hawkish to you? Am I crazy in interpreting what he said on Wednesday as I'm not hawkish? I mean, he says that, you know, uh, they're going to do three rate hikes. uh, Watch. (laughs) Right. And so um, we'll see where that gets us. You know, real rates uh, didn't seem to uh, budge and and might end up doing the opposite. And um, as we well know, um, you know, it's, um, you know, watch what I do and, and, and not what I say. Right. So we'll see what happens next year. The. Uh, stock markets are, are telling him, you know, he better not uh, do that. And honestly, you know, um, you know, what can he do? We sort of everyone knows he's painted back into a corner. As I watched the uh, press conference the other day, it's it just makes less and less sense and sounds more and more like word salad when he's trying to explain uh, the inflation of duration. And, you know, this isn't the inflation we were looking for. It's like Star Wars, right? Like he's waving his <laughs> hand. Like, this, is, this is not the inflation you're looking for. Um, I don't know. It just seems like he's lost credibility and um, will ultimately cave to uh, the pressures, not of the market, but specifically to, um, you know, let's be frank, his uh, buddies, former employers uh, in the private equity space, uh, et cetera, uh, pointing back to how it's uh, one big club with the the Pelosi and, and, and trading stuff we just went over. So, um no, it doesn't even really matter. I didn't write about it this week, in fact, because, you know, it's one of those things that's everywhere, right? I mean, everyone waits with bated breath to see what he's going to say. Uh, all the journalists or most of them, at least, are, you know, sycophantic and um, giddy to be able to ask him a question at the at the press conference. And um, I don't think it's... Uh, going to be actual hawkishness i think it's he, he tried to take that stance you know he didn't wear the purple tie that was a funny tweet <laughs> I saw. He had a, no purple tie it's like groundhog right because did he see a shadow what color tie did he wear so he was trying to be stern with the markets and t- it'd be hawkish because he wasn't wearing his, his soft purple tie but anyway i'm rambling and um i don't think mr mr powell has has much credibility left I agree 100%. Oh, by the way, global debt just hit a record of $226 trillion. That was last year. That <laughs> was before this year. How much wiggle room do you think the Fed and, and other central bankers have to raise rates? Now, there are a couple of central banks that have started to nudge rates higher. Again, the strength in the dollar and the bond market tells me it's not believable and it's not sustainable. And if the bond market and the dollar is any indication, um, you're not going to see three rate hikes. And even if you do, it's going to be 25 basis points at a time and it's not going to mean much. So yeah, we'll, 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 we'll wait for Mr. Powell to get, you know, a reminder from the bond market and, and the major U.S. indices. Uh, we'll wait for that reminder to tell him who's in charge because it's not him, folks. And it's, you know, it's not Janet Yellen and it's not Lagarde and it's not any of these other people. That ship has sailed. It's now a race to the bottom and it will be for several, several years, which again is why I'm so excited to be launching this Commodity Super Cycle Summit here next week. I think it's timely and I think it bodes well for what we want to do in 2022, given the policy, fiscal, monetary, and you know the political um, situation that we have around the world. 
Yeah, and we're going to see, um, you know, if the growth can can keep up. You know, um, obviously it was a, a bullish end to the year, not in the past couple of days, but the the S and P uh, still up twenty plus percent for the year, which is a fantastic year, twice in uh, average return, and um, that was in the face of, of what a lot of people thought, if you remember, right? Thinking back to like. Um, August uh, when when gold had a little bit of a run and, and we were then and in and, and the peak of Delta when you know people were scared again um, and we ended up going back to all time highs that might not be the case again uh, in the new year right we'll get a new GDP GDP print uh, we're gonna see and um, you know you could really get a, an actual pullback in in stocks which we haven't had for a bit now and and you know that would be further pressure on on pals so yeah we're gonna see. Well, and, 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 you know, it would probably lead to some sector rotation where capital in the, you know, to the gold space, you would think, you would think there would be some rotating of capital um, into the gold space and, and the equities given the attractive valuations of even the major producers, right? Um, and also, and I'll make a segue here, uh, given some of the money that's coming out of cryptos over mm. the past couple of weeks, right? So... Um, not a knock on them, but that money's got to go somewhere. And um, certainly the, the crypto side of things has been soft. And so, um, you know, if I'm a crypto investor, look, these are my crypto soldiers for the gold army, right? And um, I, I now understand inflation. I've now read up on fiat and I know why I own a crypto and it comes into some, some softness. Um, you know, perhaps I do. Uh, go into the resource space a little bit with some of those profits. Look, they know about quote unquote hard assets, right? They're already buying digital real estate and uh, stuff like that. They obviously know what mining is. They mine their fucking coins. I mean, the, uh, the, the and this is going back years. I've always said this, you know, how ironic is it that uh, the logo for a Bitcoin is, is a gold coin, right? And so um, anyway, it's not a far stretch to, to see some of the, the crypto money coming into um, the resource space, specifically the precious metal space for the same reasons that they're in crypto. And and there's a lot of that money. Um, look, you've got crypto cities being built, people talking about, there was an article I was reading this week about uh, Puerto Rico's back in the news because the crypto rich, uh, nouveau crypto rich are figuring out it's a tax haven. And so... Uh, they've got some money for sure. Let's uh, let, let, let's pivot a little bit. Um, let's talk about, you know, the hypocrisy again of, of lawmakers. Right. Obviously, there was a, a, a horrific tornado in Kentucky and, you know, all the best to everyone there that was affected. I think, you know, the death toll is near or 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 surpassed 100 countless left homeless. Um, and, and, and so I definitely want to start with that energy there. Um, separate from that, I want to talk about hypocritical lawmakers who make it a point to talk against federal dollars, taking federal dollars and 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 campaign against the other party um, for wanting to provide funding um, for situations like this. And then when something happens, you know, senators like Rand Paul, who once upon a time had some integrity before he started getting beat up by his neighbors. Um, <laughs> fucker. <laughs> you know, he, th- this is a guy he that- He did fall from grace. Man. My guy used to like Rand Paul. Rand, yeah. what happened? Who hurt you? Like, 
not, not literally, like who hurt you, like emotionally, right? You used to have a soul and a spine. And, you know, I thought, hey, chip off the old block like his pop. And nothing could be further from the truth the past decade or so. But, you know, Rand Paul is, 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 is a great classic example. Cruz is the other one. Um, but, you know, this is a guy that just every single chance he had would, would, would rally against and campaign on, you know, independence and, 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 you know, not ballooning the deficit. And we don't want to appropriate federal funds for disasters. People got to lift themselves up by their own bootstraps. The minute Kentucky gets hit, right, not only is he accepting of, of federal help from, you know, the federal government, us, um, but, but then they go off and, 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 and they go and they visit people that have been, you know, hurt physically, emotionally, economically, and, and campaign as if they're the ones bringing the bacon home and helping with disaster assistance with, when nothing could be further from the truth. And so, again, however you feel about deficits and getting your house in order um, and, and, and lifting yourself up by the bootstraps and all by your own bootstraps and all that, let's save that for another day. Be consistent. Be accountable. It's all I ask out of people, whether it's myself, a politician, a friend, whatever. Just be accountable. And this, again, just like the Pelosi thing, it just doesn't pass the basic decency test, right? You know, last week we talked about Bob Dole and getting the the free lunches for uh, kids in Kansas. And and this is sort of what I was talking about, right? Where um, you've got people who, um, you know, rail against government spending and, and handouts on the on the one hand, and then uh, seek them uh, with the other hand. I mean, that's that's the definition of, of two faced, right? Saying one thing and 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 doing the other, and uh, unfortunately, uh, happens all too uh, often with uh, politicians. So. Um, I'm just going to talk about the Black Rifle Coffee Company. I don't know why that popped in my mind. Uh, <laughs> do you know what that is? No. Have, have you seen the Black Rifle Coffee Company? Well, it's a stock, and I actually didn't know that until recently, but uh, it came public recently. Uh, it's a coffee company that's like, um, that I guess for a better, lack of a better uh, explanation, bills itself as sort of the anti-Starbucks, right? So it's like um, a conservative coffee, basically. Um um, they sell it at Cabela's and they have a whole like apparel, um, arm, like a lot of people you'll see uh, conservatives who now wear like the thin blue line shirts and I uh, Gadsden flag shirts with it, which they've completely usurped and bastardized, but that's another <laughs> conversation too. Um, they also wear like black rifle coffee company shirts, um, BRCC, is that right? Black rifle coffee company. Yeah. That's yep. like the, the the acronym and they, they also have a logo. And so it's a whole like culture thing, right? Like if you were to uh, just imagine like Trumpsters or the January 6th crowd, like, you know, Black Rifle Coffee is is their coffee. It's like the militia coffee. It's uh, founded by a, f- a former veteran and he leverages that veteran uh, status to um, uh, sell his coffee basically. And, um, it's getting really popular, like all these big time, sorry, I'm going on about this, but no, 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 this is great. This is interesting. All these big time hunters and, and conservative, uh, people, um, you know, country singers and things like that, you know, uh, co-opt this, they help them brand it and, and, and they're helping them push it. And the sales have been, um, obviously going quite, quite well. The, the stock might even be, 
uh, a good one to buy. But I just love the positioning of the 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 culture. The culture of it is that like even our coffee is partisan now, right? Like you have like an anti Starbucks coffee brand that's super popular and. Um, I guess the point I was making is that I was reading an article and I don't know why my brain tied this together about (laughs) how um, Cabela's and Bass Pro Shops are like the most subsidized corporations. Um, They get federal dollars because they're considered like regional anchor stores. So people drive over a certain number of miles to go to them. Right. So they get they get federal dollars because of that. And um, anyway, it's like. that's like the main outlet for selling this coffee, right? So do you think like the the Black Rifle coffee crowd is the uh, federal subsidy crowd? No, but do you do you think they realize that they're buying their conservative coffee from like the most subsidized retailers <laughs> in, the, in the country? No, and that's what I was talking about with the ranchers last week, right? Like uh, they rail against certain things and don't realize that in some cases it's their conservative elected officials that are um, you know, uh, helping the the meat packers and processors uh, squeeze them out, squeeze the ranchers out, right? And so it's just misguided. And when you talk about the federal pork in Kentucky, I just I think about the the black rifle coffee consumers for some reason. Very very interesting. Um, yeah, again, I've said it a hundred times on this podcast. If there was an ETF that I could have created or a product I could have created to short. Um, the political class, uh, mostly on both sides. I would absolutely, absolutely be writing checks for that. Um, speaking of checks, JP Morgan just got hit with a $200 million fine. What's $200 million to JP Morgan, right? Did you hear about this one, Nick? Um, I did, and it's also more of the same. Go ahead. Yep. Nope. That's the, you, you, you nailed, you, you nailed it. You, you, you hit the nail on the head there. You know, I was going to say, it's not just politicians. It's not just, you know, Republicans and it's not just Democrats. It's the corporations too. And it's the banks. And so what they did is they allowed employees to use WhatsApp and WhatsApp for those of you that aren't familiar is an app as the name suggests that allows for, or allowed at one point for encrypted communication. So JP Morgan now is having to pay $200 million in fines to two banking regulators to settle charges that its Wall Street division allowed employees to use the app and other platforms to circumvent federal record-keeping laws. Think about that. Federal record-keeping laws. So back to the different tiers of justice in the United States of America. If you're wealthy and connected enough, you can break federal laws and just get away with paying a fine that I almost could guarantee is a lot less than the amount of money they were able to make by being able to circumvent federal record-keeping laws. Sick little circle jerk, if you ask me. That's exactly it. And so, you know, I've been railing against this for a decade now, right, where, um, there's a million things you could cite going back to manipulating LIBOR or uh, the subprime mortgages and and derivatives that led to the um, global financial crisis to, um, you know, HSBC and and others laundering money for for terrorists and drug lords, um, Wells Fargo uh, creating accounts or the countless other scandals that uh, that bank has been involved in. And it's always um, a snafu or a uh, a skirted the regulations or 
um, evaded fe- federal oversight. It's never broke the fucking law, right? Um, and no one is ever um, sent to jail. And this is a, a theme, right? Nobody went to jail for 2008 either, unless you ran a giant Ponzi scheme, but not members of banks. And so, um, yeah, you get to pay a fine. And it, it's another one of those things, like everybody knows that it's out there, just like everybody knows that people go to Congress to get rich and uh, trade on those things and uh, trade on insider information and 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 the industries that they have oversight of. And then uh, from there, you have to talk about the revolving door, right? Because um, like, who do you think are the oversight bodies? Like who find, who find <laughs> JP Morgan, the SEC? Well, like who's the head of the SEC? Like the guy that was formerly a Goldman for like 20 years. And so, um, right. And just like uh, Powell, I was talking about his private equity connections, right? And that's your revolving door where it's like, um, you know, you go on you after you put in your little bit of time on the the private banking side um, uh, or the equity side, then you go to the the regulatory or the the oversight side. And in some cases, and I've talked about this on the podcast, that's the strategy of the companies is um, to send uh, mid level uh, bankers or insurers or whatever it is into the government into government agencies that uh, regulate those. Uh, industries so they can um learn all the loopholes and and you know that's how the revolving door goes back and forth so um yeah i mean that's exactly what it is then jp morgan gets to to pay a fine um as they uh, always do for manipulating precious metals and interest rates or um whatever it is and 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 for the 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 kind among you that you know look at this bastion of, 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 you know, it's an institution, right? This bastion of financial innovation that is JP Morgan, supposedly, and are, are thinking, well, I'm sure it was just some low level employees that, you know, were, were, were just, you know, not compliant. No, it was the managers and the senior personnel responsible for compliance that use their personal devices to communicate sensitive business matters. That's what the SEC said. So this is going on at the highest levels. The Pelosi's of the world, they don't even try to play it off anymore. The JP Morgan's of the world, they don't even try to play it off anymore. They just wait for their buddies to tell them what it's going to cost to make it go away. And they make it go away. Mm, like the Epstein case where there was bankers and politicians names that came up in there, huh? That's interesting how that happened. Like, like the files, the, the hard drives that are not going to be released, um, in, 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 in court and not going to be made available. Um, yeah, I, 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 I could go on. Don't get me going there. Um, yeah, i I'll, I'll leave it alone there. I, it, it's getting long in the tooth here, and I don't want to get on a rant because it's going to be a long one if I get going. <laughs> well, we can do it next week because um, you know we'll have to follow up on the Maxwell trial. We won't let that slip away, which they're obviously trying to do here during the holiday season. So, and we've got uh, awards to give out, so there's no lack of things to talk about in the next couple of weeks. No lack of things to talk about at all. Did you hear about the Oklahoma Republican who introduced a bill to limit how slavery is taught in schools and is threatening to pull funding from schools that don't teach it the way he wants it taught if this bill passes. Did you read about that? 
I did not. How does he want to talk? So a new bill that was proposed in the Oklahoma state legislature would limit how slavery is taught in schools and ban teaching that one race was the unique oppressor. Um, it also wants to ban uh, the, 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 the phrasing is that another race was the unique victim in the institution of slavery. <laughs> I will let um, the brightest amongst you figure out who he thinks would be the unique oppressor and who one would assume was the unique victim in the institution of slavery. He also wants to prohibit the use of the 1619 Project, which was a journalism project, a long-form one, um, by the New York Times that examined slavery's role in the founding of America. That's a no-no for him. You know, you're not going to make up your own mind about who was right and who was wrong and why it happened. And God forbid you form your own opinion and actually pick up different types of literature to try to figure out and make your own mind about what happened and why, right? Um, so public schools that fail to comply would see the State Department of Education withhold up to 5% of their monthly state funding under the bill. Now, if you play nice and you comply after a violation, then the funding can be restored. Um, this is just utter bullshit and, and good on the University of Oklahoma chapter of the American Association of University Professors. That's a mouthful, I get it. But you know they came, down, came out and said, look, we're slamming this bill. It's disturbing. Um, they're cranking. This is the quote from them. They are cranking this legislation out faster than the courts can keep up. In the meantime, we have no intention of lying to our students or bowing to this assault, assault on truth and academic freedom. Um, you know, another another representative, a Democrat this time, uh, called the bill embarrassing and a waste of time. He said this doesn't help people. It does nothing to further the conversation about race which is an important one to have. And it distracts from so many of the other issues that are facing Oklahoma today. Um, I'll put a link up. Any thoughts on that, Nick? Did it, so wait, did it pass? Is it actual, that's the law now? It, it has not passed. It's being proposed. It's being okay. proposed. But again, the fact that they're even proposing this now, back to the Pelosi's, back to the JP Morgan's, back to the Rand Paul's, they're not even pretending anymore. Right. They want to they want to pretend like slavery wasn't what slavery was. And, and and let's be clear, it was different in different parts of the world. But you have like this is documented. These aren't things that um, can can easily be made up. And there's curriculums in place to make sure that things are fact checked. And, and, and you can propose, you know, multiple opinions to want to dismiss one viewpoint or two viewpoints or three viewpoints from the dialogue and the conversation um, and 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 twist the way you can speak about a thing that happened is 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 so nefarious to me. It's sick. It's nasty. Yeah, um, it sounds like uh, a version of book burning, right? I mean, why you want to control uh, information and and education like that unless you have a um, alternative uh, agenda, right? So, um, how does that relate to the the stuff in in Florida? What's the other um education thing that has been in the in the news recently i'm I'm blanking on the name it's not like anti-woke but it's uh what do they call that curriculum 
Uh, you know what I'm talking about? The, 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 the critical race theory curriculum. Yes. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yes. They, again, like, and we've touched on this here before on the podcast. Like, why would it, it's very similar, you know, and, and again, I hate to just say, well, this is a Republican issue. The only people that seem to be having trouble um, with with talking about race and, and, and the institution that, 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 that was slavery in America and, and how it came about and who supported it and everything else seems to be the people that were against it way back in the days, the Republicans, right? That was a party of Lincoln. And so, um, yeah, no, look, um, Governor DeSantis um, proposed a bill, a Florida bill, allowing parents to sue schools that teach critical race theory. This motherfucker had the nerve to quote Martin Luther King Jr. while he proposed it. I saw I mean, you gotta be fucking kidding me. You can't make this stuff up. Um, it's called the Stop the Wrongs to Our Kids and Employees Act, or the acronym, you guessed it, the Stop Woke Act. And the fact that Americans are distracted by this bullshit and actually give this, you know, serious debate and thought, we're having a conversation about how stupid it is. There is a lot of people that actually are in the streets marching. Uh, for the Stop Woke Act that think this is the way to go, right? Um, and, and, and so, you know, DeSantis said, quote, in Florida, we are taking a stand against the state-sanctioned racism that is critical race theory. So he's calling critical race theory the state-sanctioned racism when critical race theory seeks to talk about the institutional racism that occurred. Talk about, you know, fucking the rabbit underneath the hat. Holy smokes. I mean, in some respects, there's nothing new under the sun, right? This is like Leonard Skinner and Neil Young, right? Like mm. Southern Man and, and and stuff like that. And in, 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 in uh, uh, other respects, um, but still in similar veins, it's, you know, a classic uh, divide and conquer, right? And, and that's what I was... Uh, or at least it's what I intended to hint at with that with that black rifle coffee thing. Like even our even our coffee is divided now, right? Like uh, now we <laughs> have to have, divided. <laughs> you know protests about how to teach uh, history and 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 social things and stuff like that. And um, yeah, meanwhile they're um, what inflating the costs of uh, goods, profiting from it uh etc it's sort of like you know look over here look over here and at least that's how i view that because so much of that stuff is uh inconsequential um to your um ultimate upward mobility and um you know quality of life uh, at least how i view it and what do i know this is to me the modern day Colosseum, except instead of bodies, you know, fighting against other bodies and, and the people in the Colosseum being entertained by the violence and, and, and the brutality that that was. This is the, this is the 2021 version with people's minds, right? Where they try to tell you that the sky is green. And even if you see that it's blue, no, it's really green. And then you have two groups that end up fighting about whether the sky is green or blue and it turns out it's fucking nighttime, right? Critical race theory, <laughs> critical race theory, just for anyone that is unclear about what it is, it's a decades old academic concept and legal framework that examines America's history of racism and how it continues to affect the US. That is it. Now we can have a conversation about what should be included, what should not be included. 
that's not what's being voted on or being voted. No, they, they don't want to have the conversation, period. And in places like, you know, Oklahoma, um, yeah, <laughs> you know, they want to have a, 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 a firm grasp on the words you say, the ideas that you, 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 you put out into the world and the way that students are taught and, and learn about history. And it's a slippery slope. It's dangerous. And again, I think it's the modern day Coliseum just using people's brains or lack of. Bread and circuses, mm. stimulus, che- stimulus checks and protests. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see the, did you, did you see the Nancy Reagan memes? <laughs> I haven't. I've been so out of it this week. Okay. So I won't get into it because, you know, she's probably somewhere resting in peace and, you know, she taught me to just say no, but apparently Nancy didn't say no often in her younger days, pre, mm, pre Ronald. And so there's a, there's, there's, there's a quote that was floating around and um, just for, for if you have kids, like ask your kids to turn this down right now. And, and, and if you're a kid, cover your ears, kids, five seconds. All right. So for the rest of you, oh, if you're easily offended, you should go away now. It was nice of you to listen to us this week. I'll wait another two seconds. All right. So apparently Nancy Reagan was a throat goat. Well, who says this? Is there corroborating evidence? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just Google Nancy Reagan throat goat, everybody, and you'll get the uh, the full breakdown of Miss Reagan's many talents. Apparently, I mean, um, pretty well documented, pretty well uh, corroborated, and man, I tell you, there's a lot of pictures now. And then this is where the memes just had me dying. That was in stitches, Nick. There's so many different pictures of Nancy Reagan, like sitting on Mr. T's lap or, or, or Ray Charles or, or, or Sammy Davis Jr. Both next to her on each side with just the biggest smiles on their faces. And, um, you know, Twitter being Twitter is going to do what Twitter does. But it was absolutely hilarious um and 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 you know so it this comes from a a a book from a lady that did a documentary on her and so supposedly she had the best blowjob game in hollywood's mgm backlot (laughs) that was that was what was documented um in 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 the book and so um yeah i'll put the article up i asked the kids to go away i asked the sensitive people to go away i thank them for listening so I will put the link up after saying that I wasn't going to do so and not talk about it. She knows about the trickle down, as it were. <laughs> the little gang, little tingly thing on the back of her throat, Nick. <laughs> There's one of her holding hands with Pete Davidson that just had me dying. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, man. Mr. Hodge, it's been almost an hour. I know people have things to do. The holidays are coming up. Um, I, I, I hope everybody has a phenomenal Christmas, a phenomenal holiday, whatever it is that you celebrate, just be kind, have a great time, please be safe. Um, you won't listen to us until after the holiday next. So I wish everybody all the best and just a great end to the year. Um, and, and get it, get, get ready, get ready for an exciting 2022 and please, by all means, um, put put December twenty second on your calendar for the Commodity Super Cycle Summit because I think it's it's an important one and I think it's gonna you know make us some good money here in twenty twenty two. Nick, anything to add to that? That's it. Same sentiments for me. Uh, happy holidays to everyone. Get your last minute shopping done. 
get your grocery list made and crossed off and uh, get your butt in front of the computer on December 22nd at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Do it. A rest in peace to Vicente Fernandez. For those of you not familiar, this was a a, a childhood, you know, icon, a, a, a hero of mine. He was a gentleman that had a seven decade singing and acting career. Um, you know, over 56 million albums sold, was in over 36 movies. Um, very few people captured what it was to be Mexican from a rural community, um, from, from you know, someone that was seeking upward mobility um, as he did. And, and, and uh, you know, it's almost unrivaled for anyone to have a 70-year career in the business, both in the movie space and with the music. I've fallen in love to this man's music. I've fought to this man's music. I've had one too many drinks to this man's music. Um, a true legend that will absolutely be missed. Rest in peace to him. And on a happy note, everybody, have a great Christmas. Enjoy the holiday. Nick, say something nice. Send us off. This was Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Hodge on episode 148 of Bizarro World. Send us off, Nick. Yeah, please let me done. <laughs>